This episode contains discussion of euthanasia. Please listen at your own discretion. Previously, on the land above. You spent some time yeah. focusing on this this magical dagger. After a short time with it, you feel something is slightly different. You hear a very soft voice sort of manifest itself and say, Are you my new owner? Yeah. My last owner called me Obsidian Razor. Can I just call you Obsidian? If you like. Will the patron ever make demands? They have expectations of us. I would not counsel you to expect those expectations ever be known. These sort of creatures, they often work in shadow and subterfuge. If there's something they wanted from you, they might simply encourage events, making sure you're in the right place at the right time. Then I guess that just means all I have to do is make sure to not disappoint them. Is that correct? Disappointment comes with uh, cost. Ma's dying. She knows she is. For weeks now, she hasn't gotten out of bed. Whenever she's lucid enough to talk, she's in terrible pain. She wants an end to it. She asked for Alvin. If it's what she wanted, then I'll go talk to him. Jarl puts a hand on your shoulder and says, I'll do it. She asked me, so my responsibility. Pack goes together. She follows after him. So it is Parcel Day in Bungle. It's the one day every few months that correspondence and deliveries from the other settlements of the Dark Below arrive in Bungle. The Centaur Caravan arrives from the underroads, made up of about a dozen centaurs and a handful of foals. They pull the carts into the center of town and begin distributing their deliveries. They'll remain in town for a couple of days, is, is the usual custom, to rest and take on new deliveries that'll be going out from Bungle to the other settlements of the Dark Below. A few hours after the caravan arrives, there is a knock on the door to your home, Ghost. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> dun dun. Uh, so I, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna answer it if I'm home. You look outside and you see one of the centaurs from the caravan who oh, is holding a, a small package, and he says, mm -hmm. "You are a ghost, ghost in the attic." Uh, correct. Yep. Yes, uh, this is for you. And he holds out a package with your name on it. Do you know who it's who? Where it's from? No, 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 no. Okay. All right, thank you very much. He nods and turns around and leaves. And you're left holding okay. this. Okay, how big is it? What is it? Like, give me, give me some deeds. It's about nine, ten inches long, kind of kite-shaped. So it's distended out towards one end. And then there's okay. a... It's wrapped in string with a note on it that has your name. No, nothing else. Just my name on it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm just gonna go ahead and open it, and she, yeah, Ghost has no idea what this could be, or she was not, she was gonna send stuff out, she was not expecting to get anything. You take a look at the, uh, the attached letter, and it's from your daughter, Brashbird. Oh my god! <laughs> and she's says hello, and wants you to know that she's doing okay, her apprenticeship is going well. And she sent a package because it's going to be Hidden Snow's birthday next month. And so it's a gift mm -hmm. for him. Okay, then she's not going to open it. Uh, even though she wants to know what it is, she'll have to wait. Uh, because she's not going to open Snow's present. Um, 
Oh my god. She misses her daughter so much. She hasn't seen her since she went away to her apprenticeship. And um, she was actually going to send a letter out to her. Um, just, you know, keeping up with her little siblings and uh, her mom's own crazy adventures. Oh my god, I love my fictional daughter so much. <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh my gosh, so she, she tucks it away in uh, her and Ash's room uh, just to keep it hidden. Though I don't know how good that's gonna work, but she tries. <laughs> what is Crown getting up to today? <laughs> In the morning, Crown is, of course, helping all the young and eat and everything like he's, like they do every morning. By about the middle of the day, they've probably taken Ender and a couple of the young ones out for a bit of a walk to look around the town, see if anything interesting is like, nearby that we could like look at. Other than that, not a lot, just kind of walking and being around the young ones and teaching them about how to live on the street. Well, as you are out walking with your young charges, of course, the big event in town today that's kind of got everyone's attention is the Centaur Caravan that's come in. And I think that you find your way to the city center where the activity is concentrated and you're watching as these centaurs are setting up tents for themselves. They've got these large wagons that they've brought in that are full of parcels and pieces of mail that they are distributing out to the citizens of town. And I think that's probably quite amusing uh, to especially the younger kids that you have in your care. Yeah. They're quite interested to see these these centaur who, there are none that live in Bungle. The centaurs aren't really known for being stationary creatures. They tend to migrate a lot, going from place yeah. to place all the time. Yeah, I think definitely looking at the carriages Crown thinks of their brother and wishing that they had any news about where he is. What is Onarin doing today? I like to think that on the this this big event that comes around, his boss Yazuzu would have sent him kind of like scouting, watching for people who are getting parcels that might still owe money. In case they might have a chance to collect in the next day or two. Okay. He's like overlooking the the caravan on some relatively high vantage point and scanning the crowd for familiar faces at O. So I think you are keeping a watch over things and you notice a centaur separate from the rest of the caravan who's walking up the streets in your direction. She has long, blonde-colored hair that's pulled back into a series of tight braids that run down her back. She's wearing sort of cobbled-together bits of armor over her, her torso. As she comes closer, she catches your eye, nods to get your attention. Uh, excuse me. I uh, believe you're the one they call uh, Onarin Steady Hide, is that right? Yeah. Yeah, what do you want? He doesn't even make eye contact. He's still looking over uh, crowds, focusing on his work. Uh, well, I was just having a, a conversation with one of your... I'm going Irish again. <laughs> Sorry. No, it's fine. It's a lot of accents. Well, I was just uh, having a conversation with one of your locals here. the uh, Your local tanner draped in fur. Mm, yeah, makes good stuff. She said that you and your uh, group might be reliable for a job that would be 
uh, involve a, a wee bit of danger. Now he seems to pay more attention. That this, this <laughs> more interesting than what he's doing right now. Uh, we could be. Uh, give me some details. <laughs> when we were on our way here, uh, uh, as we were coming up the underroad, we were uh, attacked by a beast. You see, a land shark, and uh, big brute of a thing nearly devoured one of our foals. Uh, but we managed to put the thing down. It's uh, I'm not sure if you ever seen a land shark before. They're quite a ferocious thing. They've got a hide on them, thick as steel. And fortunately, we were so laden down at the time, we couldn't bring the body with us. But a uh, few of us, tomorrow, once we've had some rest, we're going to head back out and see if we could recover it. If, uh, if you and your the you and your uh, your party are available, we'd we'd want to hire you to help us bring it back. Onarin can't help but grin a little bit as they're describing the land shark, because in his head all I can think of, can't be as bad as a dragon. Um, <laughs> once she's done uh, right? saying her part, he's like, uh, I, I don't see why not. Uh, I'll obviously have to talk to them, make sure they haven't had any plans in the last little while, but well, I foresee us probably being able to go. Okay. Is there uh, somewhere you want us to meet you, or that you would like to meet us come tomorrow morning? Uh, right here, the city center should be fine. Easy to find you. Good enough. We'll wait to see you. And I'm going Swedish, and I don't know why. Because Behold you my mini accents. <laughs> None of them appropriate. So, before she leaves, she tells you her name is Daphne, and she will meet you in the city center tomorrow. As early as is uh, convenient for you. So, morning-ish. A day cycle passes. Onarin, you make your way to the center of town, where you're expecting to meet with the centaurs. Are the rest of you going to be joining him? Yep. Yeah. Riza's going to be the last one there, and just looking miserable. Oh, jeez. Listen, all right? She's had a rough two days. It is, it's just, in, you're in lucky all, she's getting there. In all honesty, Crown's not looking that much happier. Yay, disaster pity party. <laughs> Meanwhile, Onaren looks fine. Ghost mm-hmm. looks pretty happy. She just got a letter from her firstborn, so, you know. It's like the two ends of the spectrum, sunshine, clouds, and darkness. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. I wouldn't call a near in sunshine. <laughs> this is as sunshine as he gets. <laughs> so I'm curious, did Crown have like a, like a difficult night last night? It's just saying that Heidi Hole, there is many scrapped letters as if they were writing to their brother, but oh. having no way of sending it to them. Oh, my baby. Okay. Oh, God. DD is sad. <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Come for the Dungeons and Dragons, stay for the feels. Let's kill something. <laughs> <laughs> I have healthy coping mechanisms. <laughs> All right. So each of you makes your way to the town center. The four of you group up, and you are approached by Daphine. Who greets you all? Ah, uh, good. Uh, hello. It's a pleasure to meet you all. My name is Daphine, and uh, it would uh, appear that uh, you have received the, the details of the job of that I gave to your bullheaded friend over here. Yep, sure mm-hmm. did. I right job. Um, what was right? Um, something about a corpse or a beast or land shark. I that. You can tell Reese's brain is just not, not here and kind of just takes the moment to realize she should probably just not talk and shut up. Stay in the back today. Crown is just not talking at all, which is very weird. They usually have something to say and they are saying nothing. 
goodness gracious. It appears they've had a rough night. Uh, anything more more details you need to give us, uh, Jaffeen? Uh, I don't believe so. Uh, we have six of us, and that should be enough to haul the, the body back to town. And once again, it's really fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say anything. When you've got it, plant it. Exactly. Um, so, uh, if you are ready to depart, you have all of your supplies and whatnot, and uh, we can be on our way then. It should take uh, about a day to reach the carcass, and then uh, slightly longer, perhaps, to bring it back. It is a very large body. The four of you will just be, uh, in case, it is likely that the the carcass has uh, attracted a number of scavengers, uh, carrion eaters from the dark below. We'll just need you to deal with them, drive them away so we, we can reclaim the corpse. Simple enough, yes? Do you want us to lead? Or are we traveling together? Or what's what's your plan here? Well, we can all travel together as a caravan, I think. These works well. Mm, that works for me. Uh, and then whatever of value we happen to bring back to town, we split 50-50. Yes? Yeah. Sounds pretty no good, arguments. actually. Risa, Risa just nods and kind of looks at the rest of them, like, trying to make sure she heard that right, because she's more used to having to wheel and deal to get <laughs> a good deal like that. All right. Very good. just, like, slowly nodding and fiddling with, like, their bracelet on the wrist, just nodding. Very good. We shake on it. She sticks out one of her hands. Onera's big, massive minotaur hand grabs it and shakes. Very good. And so, on we go. The centaurs start heading out of town. You can see that um, there are two of them that are just walking free, and then four more that are all harnessed together, pulling a large cart behind them. So, with your escort, they head out through the uh, the eastern passage into the underroads. You travel for several hours by foot. Occasionally, you will hear the screeching sound of uh, fox bats in the darkness. One will occasionally swoop down past your party, but you're in large enough numbers that none of them seem to think that you are a target that they could safely attack to get a meal out of. So, fox bats, I want one. You don't see any other creatures prowling about, so you are largely unharassed for your journey. As you are uh, coming towards the end of this this trip... Daphne is providing you directions through these twisting, branching tunnels back to the place where they had left the, the land shark. Who is in the lead? Oh, Naren. With ghosts close behind. She's in a, still in a pretty good mood. Okay. Uh, Reason Crown Reese is sort of- like, yeah, we're trailing. <laughs> yeah. Crown yeah. is definitely like at the back and is having to constantly remind themselves, oh no, I need to be further ahead. I need to be further ahead. Stop stop focusing on this. Focus on where you're going right now. Stop. Yeah, Riza is definitely giving concerned looks at Crown and just is like trying to find the best time to pull them aside and be like, hey, hey, buddy. Hey, you okay, man? You okay, dude? Well, <laughs> why do you sound like Elvin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just went Elvin then. I'm like, what I am from California. It is very easy for me to do that. <laughs> so we can say as you are traversing the dark below, you find a chance to pull Crown aside. Hey, you doing all right? Are you, do I need to patch you up or anything? You hurt? Do you ever miss anyone? 
she pauses for a moment. She thinks about it and she kind of just gives a little nod like I, I there's there's a there's quite a few that I miss or miss pieces of them anyways. I miss my brother. I didn't know you had a brother. Not many people do. Many people in the urchin camp know. I did he uh did he go to another city? Do an apprenticeship? I don't know where he went. Ah. She just kind of she looks at she looks at the ground while she's trying to think. Because she's like, I don't know how to do this very well, but I'm trying. And looks back to Crown and is like, I, uh, there was, um, something, Panuk, you know, he taught me, uh, Eshmoon was the Lord of the Hunt, and with his blessing, the strong, they don't ever fall without a, a reason. Sounds like your brother is, but if he managed to help raise you, he's got to be pretty damn strong. Because you're, you're one of the best damn fighters I've ever seen, and feck, I mean, you can you disappear all the time, and it's kind of creepy. <sighs> she she real, she realizes, wait, that's not the right thing to say, backs up, but I, if your brother is anything like you, then I'm pretty sure he's doing okay, and he's working to get back to you. She kind of clasps crown on the shoulder, trying not to do it, like, too like too strong, but just kind of, like, trying to give a reassuring squeeze, like, this, this, I've seen people do this. This is how it works, right? <laughs> Crown doesn't really say anything. It just kind of nods and then quietly says, I hope you find this man there. And then uh, just pulls further ahead. She just kind of looks up at, at the cave ceiling and is like, Eshmono, Eshmono, give me strength and just keeps walking. Since we have the opportunity, if Ghost or Oneran. Would like to have a little scene between the two of them if there's anything you two need to discuss or we can move on. Well, if anything, for most of the journey, I think O'Naren would have been talking to whoever's like leading the centaur caravan through the caves because he would kind of want to know like the routes to take, what area is safe, what's not, in case they ever want to venture further. Because, you know, more plunder, the better. Yeah, that'd be Daphne. She seems to be the, the leader of this group of centaur and she happily provides you with the routes that they take through the underroads, traveling from settlement to settlement. Oneran stores that away in his brain. Um, I feel like Ghost and Oneran really aren't close enough to have any sort of scene. Oneran's for sure not uh, emotionally vulnerable enough to talk about anything. <laughs> so, how about the weather? The weather! My parents are dead! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so I feel like there's really nothing going on there. Okay. Is there anything Ghost would want to be doing otherwise, or just keeping her, her, her eyes on the path ahead? Um, she'd be keeping her eyes on the path ahead, um, but she still is kind of... Her mind is elsewhere. I mean, she's still, like, definitely in the present, but um, she still is thinking about Brashbird and um, her, her son, and that's kind of about it. Yeah. After several hours, you come upon where the centaurs had encountered this land shark creature. And as you approach, you can see just up ahead of you, as you begin to illuminate the the outline of this large shape of a land shark is laying motionless in the midst of the road, you notice movement around it. And as you draw closer, you identify six humanoid creatures that are moving around this carcass and they are very slender in appearance 
wrapped from head to toe in dark clothing and leather armor. And they appear to be already at the task of dismantling this carcass, which as you get close enough to see it, for those of you who are unfamiliar with land sharks and their appearance, you see this about 15 foot from snout to tail creature appears to have a sort of flat, almost shovel-shaped head, and then across the the back of it, these segmented armor plates, a very thick hide, and it has four large, strong, tunneling limbs as well underneath it. But these six creatures who are in the midst of apparently already working at taking this carcass apart, as they could become aware of your presence, they stop and turn to face you, and immediately all six of them draw their weapons. You see that there's one out in the front who's wielding a long polearm. There are two flanking it that have short swords. There's one that's actually perched up on top of the land shark's body that has a long whip with a number of crescent blades attached to the end of it. And there are two more that are partially covered behind the land shark that have a pair of bows that they bring out and ready. Marisa just cracks her knuckles, cracks her neck, and is like, oh, good. I really needed something to hit. I'm sorry, they took down a 15-foot-long land shark, but they can't scare off scavengers? Well, they had to come back into town, and then they were going to come back to get the scav- the whatever. <laughs> whatever, whatever. Let's go kill some get things. Get the corpse, yeah. Let's go kill some things. <laughs> Party's not one for talking today. Reza Crown. also pulls out her weapon. Crown is just gonna hide. Roll stealth check. Fourteen. Okay. Wow, that's low for you. So those of you who are more out in front as Crown sneaks back and hugs the cavern walls, trying to take advantage of the shadows, are you going to continue to approach this now armed group, or are you gonna hang back? I'm going to take out my quarterstaff, and I'm definitely just going to keep approaching, like, without breaking stride. Onera's going to keep stride with uh, with Ghost and whip out his great flail and ignite it with his crimson rite. As you continue to move forward, the, the humanoid entity in the front holds out uh, one of their hands, the other one holding this long, curved polearm, and speaks in a, in a commanding voice that's... Ghost and Oneran, you can't understand uh, what they're saying, but Riza, you do recognize that the language this creature is speaking is Sylvan. Okay. And I'm going to message you with what they're saying. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I don't want to share my screen. You guys don't get to see this. This is secrets. <laughs> Well, are you going to tell us so we don't, like, know what we're walking into? <laughs> so, Riza is just going to kind of move to the front and hold out her hand between um, Ghost and Onarin just to, like, stop them and call back out in Sylvan. You may have found it first, but the right of the kill belongs to my employers behind me. Now, we're here to come back and take it. I suggest you move on. She's saying this in Sylvan, which I'm not sure what it sounds like to the party, but... I kind of imagine Sylvan is kind of like, um, if you've ever heard a really sort of intense Gaelic. Yeah. That, that kind of language. Because oh, the language of the Fae, right? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like that. None of you understand what Reza is saying. Ghost and, and Donaren, do you 
hold back Bless you. as she steps in front of you. You sneeze so loud, I heard it through Matthew's. <laughs> you did, Gesundheit. <laughs> yes, I, I, uh, after, after Risa forces her way forward and, um, like, sticks her hand out and, like, motions us to stop, I, I'm obviously gonna follow her lead because she seems to know what's happening in the situation. And Aaron, just to show his determination of he'll make this physical if he has to, he'll take a few more steps forward, but then he'll stop and just ready his flail. She oh. she checks him with her elbow just to be like, knock it off. <laughs> <laughs> Probably doesn't feel doesn't it. Feel but it. Nope. <laughs> just a, I got this. Okay. The leader of this group responds. While the leader is responding, she's gonna turn back to them and be like, They're they say they've they've got claim. I'm I'm handling it, I think. From the shadows, Crown just draws draws obsidian and is just like waiting. <gasps> it's got a name? It's got a name. It's got a name. That's a whole, that was a fun, interesting day. It's not its full name, but it's what Crown calls it. Yeah. So, the leader, later. the leader of this group responds, uh, and though most of you can't understand its words, uh, as they finish, you notice the two shortbow wielders in the back draw their bowstrings back and take aim. They're not firing oh, yet, but they are taking aim. Oh gosh, she she's gonna draw herself up. Try to, I mean, she's only what five eleven. She's five ten. She's five ten. So I mean, she's visibly she's pretty tall and muscular, but she's gonna like try and make herself look more intimidating. And um, using thaumaturgy is gonna make her voice sound big and booming, so it's a little scarier to intimidate them. <laughs> and basically say, "This ain't your kill." Back off, or we will have to use force, and you don't want that. I'd like to ready an action, just for their <laughs> response. Well, first, Riza, go ahead and roll intimidation for me with advantage. Okay. Okay, good thing I have advantage, because I was in at one. Oh my god. <laughs> Die hard <Don't> dice. <laughs> Die hard dice for all your gaming needs. So, intimidation. Uh, 16. Okay. Onarin, what action are you would you like to ready for readying an eldritch blast against uh one of the bow wielding buggers and what is going so to trigger if, it uh if they seem like they're about to actually aim and fire okay anyone else want to take any preparatory actions in this moment tensions seem to be running high um i think crown's definitely gonna like try and sneak a bit closer towards the leader with Obsidian ready, just in case they have to, like, pounce and attack, if it looks like shit's going sideways. I think the ghost is just gonna chill with her. She already has her quarterstaff pulled, she's just gonna chill with it. The centaur who were hitched to the cart, you notice they have, like, these quick-release latches that they pull to release themselves, and all of the- all six of the centaurs ready short bows, just in case this does not go well. The leader of these humanoids, these dark-clothed individuals, stares at you for a moment, Frieza. And you hear them say, Well then, if we must settle this in blood, so be it. It makes a gesture with its hand, and darkness envelops the entirety of the Landshark corpse and the four of you.
Hail and well met, friends. Matthew here. Sorry that this episode was late getting to you. We've had a couple busy weeks around here and I fell behind on my production. But we're still going, and you can look forward to more episodes on, I'm hoping, a regular basis going forward. Fingers crossed. In just a couple of weeks, we'll be starting our annual subscription drive over on nerdsmith.org. Lots of special events, streams, giveaways, and sub-bonuses are planned for that, so get hyped. That's going to be starting on the 16th of April. And just in case you haven't already, now is the perfect time to avail yourself of our sponsor, Die Hard Dice. Die Hard has been working overtime, unveiling new additions to their polymer and signature metal lines over just the last few weeks. Definitely check them out and get yourself a dice set that will wow your friends and enemies alike. Right now, listeners of The Land Above can save 15% when you go to dieharddice.com with the coupon code LANDABOVE, that's one word. Again, that coupon code is L-A-N-D-A-B-O-V-E to save 15% off your next or first order. It is a one-time use only code. dieharddice.com, roll with the best. As previously mentioned, the Land Above podcast is a proud part of the Nerdsmith Network. Nerdsmith is a collaborative network delivering free nerdy entertainment to the masses. Follow Nerdsmith on Twitter at WeAreNerdsmith for updates and show releases, and visit Nerdsmith.org to see all the fantastic programs they have to offer, including my brand new weekly streaming show, Homebrew Studio. Homebrew Studio is a show for burgeoning GMs and DMs who want to learn how they can create original, memorable homebrew content for their games. It is every Wednesday at 5pm Pacific Time on twitch.tv slash wearenerdsmith, and you can catch the VODs there as well as on the Nerdsmith YouTube channel. And did I mention... While you're sniping Twitter Faye in your DMs, you can also follow this show. Follow us at TLA Podcast for updates and future releases if you like our program. And please, spread the word, leave us a review, give us those stars on iTunes so more people can discover our show. It means so, so much to us. Hmm. Parental loss, violence being used as a coping mechanism, oppressively dark environments. It's not Batman, but it ain't far off. Back to the show. Am I blinded? You, all four of you are now encased in magical darkness. Uh, Oneran, if you want to take that held action, you can. You cannot see Uh, your targets anymore. I kind of defeats the point, but I guess he would attempt to fire it off before the darkness envelops. He'd probably fail, but still try. Okay, make an attack roll with disadvantage. 17. Even with their cover bonus, that does actually hit. So go ahead and roll damage. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, audience, for all the ears. Four force damage. Four points of force damage. Oh my gosh. Okay. So as the darkness descends, you, in the last moment of of vision, release this blast of eldritch uh, eldritch, uh, energy. And as the darkness covers the four of you, you just hear a... ah! Do I hear a thud? Does he, like, fall off the the launcher? No. Ah. It's just a sound of pain, and now I would like initiative rolls from you four, please. Ah. A four for an Aaron? Yeah. Let's try swapping it out for the other diehard dice. I never roll good on initiative. Right. I can't get the lid off my dice. Hold up. Got uh, it. Oh, wait, I get to add one to my 13 now, so it's a 14. 23. <laughs> It's just plus dexterity, right? <laughs> yes. I don't actually have my initiative written on my sheet. Like an idiot. Oh god, that's a nine. 
Okay. Isn't it plus your dex bonus? Yeah, yeah. eight plus nine. Oh, okay. Which is why I ask, because I don't have it written next to my armor class like a fool. <laughs> I have to say, fool. it's confusing watching all your expressions. <laughs> okay. And roll for the bad guys. Roll for the centaurs. Okay. So, Crown, at 23, you are the first to act. Immediately, Crown starts... Because they knew roughly where the main leader guy was. Mm-hmm. They're going to try and aim in that direction, walking, like running that direction, blade out in front of them to hopefully hit. And as they're running, they're screaming in Infernal, this is not how I wanted this day to go. <laughs> and they're going to try and attack. Okay, make an attack with disadvantage. As you go charging through the darkness. Oh, oh, no, that is, that is a rude thing to type in our chat. 22. With disadvantage, 22? The first one was a 19, the second one was a 15. Okay, that definitely hits. Crown is a powerful little goblin. Teethling! Question, do I get sneak attack damage? You don't, unfortunately. Because you have disadvantage on the attack roll, you don't get sneak attack. Really? Is that how it works? Yep. Uh, I've never played a rogue before. Eight damage. Uh, Stubby. Step, step, step. You you feel the blade make contact with some kind of solid body, and there's a, a grunt of pain as you feel the blade sink in and then pull back out. I'm then going to disengage and run back. Okay. Like, I do not want to get attacked. <laughs> you then dart back off into what you hope to be safety. Yes. All right. The four of you are still blind, but I'm going to do some like cinematic uh, descriptions of what's going on, even though none of you can see this, just so just to give a bit more flavor to the people who are actually listening to this. Um, the audience gets to know. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the leader of this group, clutching their, their thigh where they've just been stabbed, mutters a, a curse <laughs> in, in Sylvan and steps forward, bringing their long polearm to bear against Riza. I'd like to say I'm feeling personally attacked right now. <laughs> <laughs> that is a would be correct. A nineteen to hit. Yeah, that's gonna hit. It's gonna okay. that's gonna be an ouch. So that will be let me just find my adventure notes here. Eight points of slashing damage, and I need you to make a constitution saving throw against poison. Okay. That's that's okay. This is fine. Oh Um I'm trying to remember if the line is on the top of the dice for between the six and the nine, that makes it a six, right? So nine. If it's on a the line like the, under whatever the number is. Okay. Um so that makes it, yeah. Okay, um, so plus that's a twelve. Twelve is not good enough, unfortunately. You take twelve points of poison damage. Ow! That's ouch. Yeah. She's she's not happy. Mm-hmm. I would imagine not. But it is now your turn, Riza. Oh, good. There is there is some swearing and Sylvan back at you. I'll yeah, get something to venture anger onto. Yeah. Well, okay. No, that's a nice shoot. She is going to do cure wounds at second level on herself. 
Okay. And just snarl and say they are. And then cast, uh, after that, she's going to cast spiritual weapon and try to direct it to attack the thing that just attacked her. Okay. So you can cast one of those spells and a can. Oh, that's right. Right. Never mind then. Uh, yeah. So she's just going to cure wounds herself and snarl that I, I will. Next round. Next. Mm-hmm. She had mine. So it's five. Seven, that's 12, plus spell modifier is wisdom. It's five. That's 17 points that she heals back up, guys. Okay. So she's actually, while hurting, she's not as bad as where she was. Okay, so you cast that healing spell. That's all you're going to do in your turn? That's all she's going to do on her turn and just and swear. Lots and lots of creative swearing that I can't think of right now, but it's okay. happening. Creative swearing. I like that. Um, okay. After your turn, Riza, the two that are wielding short swords are going to move through the darkness, and they are going to flank Oneren and both make sword attacks against you. Do they have disadvantage? Strangely enough, the magical darkness does not seem to bother them. Damn it. So that is a 23 to hit. Just barely. And a 16 to hit. Yeah, they hit. Okay. So you take, let's see here, 12 points of slashing damage, and I need you to make two constitution saving throws. First one's a nat 20. Second one is 11. All right. Uh, you succeed on the first one. The second one, unfortunately, you feel this pulse of poison flood into your system. You don't take any additional damage, but you are poisoned for one minute, which means you have disadvantage on all ability checks and attack rolls. I would like to use a reaction. Sure. I am going to burn one of them with El- uh, Hellish Rebuke. Okay. Which one? Uh, I'll, I guess the second one, because that's be the first one I'm going to react to is... Once they're done hitting me, he gets the brunt of my hatred. So he's got to beat a dex 13 dex save. Natural 20. Fine. Then he gets, is it miss or just half damage? I can't remember. Half damage. So 14, so seven fire damage. Okay. And what level is your, is that first level Uh, spell? Yeah. Okay. All right. So you feel this momentary burst of flame. Uh, You feel the heat come off of it. You don't see any light. It seems to have been swallowed by this magical darkness, which overrides the light of your Eldritch Flame. But you do think it did uh, deal a little bit, at least, of damage against that individual. And now we come to Ghost's turn. Hello. Um, Ghost is going to cast uh, False Life, I believe is what I just read. I just bolstering yourself with a uh, necromantic facsimile of life. You gain 1d4 plus 4 temporary hit points for the duration. An hour. Okay. So how many temporary get them, points do you get? Let me get that tasty, tasty triangle. Eight. Eight temporary hit points. Okay. Eight temporary hit points. And then that's her action as movement. She's going to just try to walk forward. Well, not walk, but like run quickly. She's not going to any particular place. She's just trying to not stay in the same location. Okay. So you're just going to try and run forward as far as you can, like towards the, the land shark or off to the side? Yeah. 
back where she saw the land shark, just because she can't see anything, she doesn't want to become a sitting duck. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Sure. Okay. At the end of your turn, the one that was standing on top of the land shark uncoils its whip and mm. hops down and is going to uh, make a strike against you, Ghost. Okay. 21, I believe, hits. 21. Yeah, it hits. Holy cannoli. Yeah, it hits. So you're going to take six points of slashing damage as you just hear the whistling of these blades fly through the air and then slash across your side. And I need you to make a constitution saving throw against poison. Against poison, you say? I do. (laughs) Constitution, you say? Okay, cool. Uh, 20, not natural. Okay, so you are not poisoned. Always a good thing to hear. Then it will be Onaren's turn. Well, Onaren's got to get these guys flanking him off of him. Uh, doesn't like the fact he has to fight in darkness, but he can't afford to move away either, so he's going to take a swing at the one that he lit on fire. Okay. I'm assuming I have disadvantage. You do. So you sort of turn and swing this heavy, great flail through the darkness. I miss. And just... Whoosh, not feel any sort of contact as you unfortunately miss your strike. I'm assuming a seven misses. Yes. Okay. Uh, at the end of Onaren's turn, the four of you hear Daphne's voice calling from behind you. She says, Get out of there! We are ready to fire, but we do not want to shoot and possibly hit you! Huh. And after she says that, the two archers in the back are going to loose their arrows... Okay. And you don't see what the audience sees as two arrows shoot out of this sphere of darkness and hit one of the other centaurs directly in the chest. <gasps> sort of, he kind of topples over and lands uh, hard on the ground. And then Daphne and the rest of the centaurs will back up uh, into a more defensive position as best as they can. Try to use their cart as a bit of cover. And then we go back up to Crown. Yeah, after Crown hears that, they're just going to be like, you know what, in this, I am not going to be very good. And it's just literally backing as far out as they can, trying to follow the cable to get out of the darkness. It's like, you want me out of this? I will be out of this, and I will wait until I can see these guys. So you appear from this dark magical sphere and you see one of these centaurs who is down on his side still alive but apparently in a lot of pain from being struck with these poisoned arrows the other centaurs are retreating slightly can i get up to the center that's down Mm -hmm. okay i'm going to get up to it and i'm going to use one of the healing salves that we got okay so you help him pull out these two poisoned arrows and then grab this little ceramic pot of uh, this sort of putrid-smelling unguent, but you start rubbing it uh, across his wounds, and as you do, they begin to slowly start sealing up again. Mm-hmm. Right. So we'll say that's your movement and action. Do you want to use any bonus action on this turn? I feel like the only thing Crown would really do would be shout to the others, Get out of there! We can't really do anything unless we're out of the way, so then we can actually get these buggers out of the darkness. Okay. The end of your turn, Crown. Uh, the leader with the pole arm is going to again 
take two swipes at Riza. Okay. That's a Just 19 watch. and a 23. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another 16 points of slashing damage. And I need For you to both? make... Uh, that's the two combined is 16 okay. points of slashing and I need to make <laughs> I was like, two. I was afeard. That was just one. I'm like, what? Two constitution saving throws. <sighs> okay. Okay. That's a 13 for the first and a nine for the second one. So you take an additional 24 points of poison damage. <gasps> she goes down. Oh my god! So, uh, Onarin and Ghost, you are aware of the sound of a body hitting the ground near uh, nearby. Probably immediately following a pained cry from Riza, which gives you a, a bit of a context of who it was. Riza, it is your turn. Make a death saving throw for me. <sighs> please, please, be good, diehard dice. Uh, I'm sure do I, it's just a straight roll, right? Nothing added to it from one. Yep. I remember, mm-hmm. uh, 13. Okay. That's one success. <gasps> okay, good. <laughs> Onarin, the two swordsmen that are attacking you each take another swipe. Yay. It's a 21 and a 22 to hit. God damn. So you take another 12 points of slashing damage and it is now ghost's turn. Okay, um, Ghost is going to cast Mirror Image. Okay. Um, three illusionary duplicates of yourself appear in your space until the spell ends. The duplicates move with you and mimic your actions. Yeah, it's good for a whole minute. Okay. So you cast this spell and these uh, Mirror Images appear around you, Mm -hmm. confusing your enemies. Is that going to be all you do in your turn? She is... Has she hit the Land Shark yet? Like, has she, like, ran to it uh, was there enough you, distance you think you're close to it but you're not by there quite there okay um she is going to move forward at a slower pace now actively looking for the the carcass just to give her like she's using her uh quarterstaff kind of as um like a blind person with a cane trying to locate the land shark without falling on top of it just to give her some reference to the area Okay, we'll say you navigate through the darkness and you find the the corpse of it. Okay, cool. At the end of your turn, the one, the, the whip-wielding one is going to make an attack roll against you. Yeah. And it's a 20 to hit, but I believe you roll oh, to see I, if it hits one of your mirror images. Right? Oh, I do, I do, I do. I, to- I just read that and I totally forgot about it too. I'm so smart, guys. Yes, it hits one of the other ones. They have an AC of 11. Okay, so this whip flies out. You once again hear the whistling sound of the blades as they slice through one of the images. It poofs into nothingness, but you are left unharmed. So you have two mirror images left. Correct. And it is now Onarin's turn. Well, Onarin's got to get the hell out of Dodge. So reluctantly, he's going to disengage and he's going to back up to try to get back to the uh, caravan. Can I make it out of the darkness? Yes, you can. Awesome. I will stand about five feet away from the darkness and watch it for anyone coming out, so I will uh, stand at the ready, basically. Okay. You back up defensively, warding off any blows from your attackers, and you come back out. You find yourself standing next to the body of a downed centaur man, and you see Crown is crouched down next to him, applying some kind of medicine to his wounds. 
Seeing two of you come out, uh, Daphne is going to shout, If you can hear me, duck! And then the five of the centaurs that are still up are going to loose arrows into the darkness. I'm taking a nap. I don't care. <laughs> You're already <laughs> I'm sorry, Kai. I didn't mean to make you upset. <laughs> I think his knee is bothering him again. Oh, I thought it was my flippancy of... <laughs> <laughs> So two of the arrows do hit. Do they hit me? Give me we a moment. We don't know yet. <laughs> um, Crap. I don't like that smile. I, so what guys, you? my new character. <laughs> <laughs> I will let's see. Four and five. Okay. Two of the arrows do hit. One of them is going to hit the, the whip wielding one. The other is going Good. to hit one of the archers. Good. And <laughs> One of the, the arrows was a natural one, which means it would be heading straight for Ghost. Roll for one of your mirror images to see if they get hit instead. Let me check my numbers here. Uh, no, it hits me! It actually hits you. Okay. You're going to take uh, eight points of piercing damage from Friendly Fire. Uh, that's fine. That just means your temp HP is gone. Yeah, temp HP is unfortunately Whoa. gone. My temp HP is is gone about <clears throat> four points ago. Is it oh, eight points? Right. Eight points of piercing damage. Yep. Okie dokie. Could be worse. You could be taking a nap. I could be taking nap. a nap. You are correct. <laughs> that's whatever. That's why what I'm just going to refer to it as now. Is reason needed a nap? <laughs> Your timing is awful. <laughs> Listen, I got into that shroom whiskey again. All right. So it's just I I needed to lie down. You gotta stop hanging out with Alvin. (laughs) (laughs) The two archers back behind the land shark body are going to loose arrows again. One of the arrows thuds into the cart. The other one is going to hit one of the centaurs. They are going to take some damage. I don't know how to combat this, guys. Magic. Get out and throw a fireball into it. I don't have fireball. Throw the equivalent. Anything else that does damage. (laughs) So we're back to Crown's turn. Crown is literally just like trying to help the centaur get back to his feet and everything and is once again screaming into the darkness. Get the hell out of there! You hear a snore from Riza. <laughs> <laughs> but otherwise I think everyone's out of it. I'm right Ghost here. Is like, Ghost is right, in, Ghost is in the thick of it. Like the dumbass I the player am. The leader is going to grab Riza by the back of her armor and haul her up. And you hear a shout from within the sphere of darkness in very broken undercommon. It just says, Stop fight or your friend dies. And stepping out of the darkness, holding Riza in front of him with the blade of his polearm against her throat, you see this shadowed figure just stares down at all of you. Question. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Can I consider that making it a weapon attack? It, that right against his throat? No. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> he is holding a weapon attack, and he, he's just eyeing all of you. Put down the weapon, or I cut her throat.
Thank you for listening to The Land Above. If you enjoy our podcast, please like and leave a positive review. It really does mean a lot to us. For more info and future updates, follow The Land Above on Twitter at TLA Podcast. Dungeons and & Dragons and its associated trademarks are property of Wizards of the Coast. The Land Above, Episode 8, Conversations, Part 1. Produced by Matthew A. Siebert. Character art by Vampbite. Follow him on Twitter at Vampbite. The Land Above is part of the Nerdsmith Network. For more great free nerdy entertainment, visit nerdsmith.org. So you already love D&D, obviously, but you want to sharpen your skills as a DM or player, right? Enter Dear DM, a Dungeons & Dragons advice podcast where I sit down with your favorite dungeon masters and answer D&D questions asked by you. Natural 20 is nudist. Um... (laughs) A plucked kanku. Uh, Charisma. Dump sack charisma. Really? (laughs) Great questions in the community today. Some really fun bits to to talk on and expand on. Episodes release every other Tuesday and are available at nerdsmith.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Jesse, what is Champions of the Earth? Why, Champions of the Earth is a live play radio drama hybrid about Power Ranger, Voltron, crazy action. Does it have teen romance? It has teen romance. Hey, guys. And, um, hey, hang on a sec. And what else does it have? Is there cool abilities? There's cool abilities. There's an original game system that we're playing together uh, and beta hey, testing. Hey, guys, I mean, this is kind of important. Can you... Okay, call in just a second. We're trying to tell people about Champions of the Earth. Okay. It sounds um, really cool. There's uh, So it's a cool mix of high school drama, superpowers, and there's mech combat. Yeah, but right now, there are monsters coming over the horizon. What are we going to do, guys? We got to get out of here. Marcy, ah! save us. Hang on. I got this. Champions of the Earth. Find us wherever podcasts are downloaded. Check us out at championscast.com. And go have yourselves an adventure.